Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track. My name is Darren and today we're going to be talking about Venus de Milo from Parade. It is the final track of Side A, should you have that album as a cassette or on vinyl. It was first recorded in July 1985 at the Warehouse Washington Avenue in Eden Prairie. Uh, a handful of songs from this album were recorded there. Uh, Prince was getting ready to go out to the south of France to film Under the Cherry Moon and so he kind of uh, he went and recorded a handful of songs last minute before they, they flew out for some scouting in the south of France. Um, on the track it is Prince. Uh, he'd been working with Sheila E a little bit, so she's actually doing the drums on this track, and then obviously the strings are done by Claire Fisher. They, they had some kind of understanding because Prince was able to just send tracks to Claire Fisher and he would kind of send back an arrangement and Prince would very rarely ask for anything to be changed. The track itself is a very short 154. And uh, before we get into the discussion of the track, it is worth mentioning that this is Prince's first uh, instrumental. Uh, his first ever track on his first album was a cappella. It was just Prince by himself. There was no instruments but Prince's voice. Um, and this is essentially the first time that it's just Prince um, on the piano with Sheila Ree doing a little bit of percussion and Claire Fisher's strings over the top of it. And joining me to talk about this is Russell Irig. Hello, Russell. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Most people who have been guests on this have been Prince fans. Some have been lifelong Prince fans. Others have been Prince fans of his later stuff. Some were Prince fans until Purple Rain. Some were Prince fans after Purple Rain. Uh, you're not strictly speaking a Prince fan. Uh, you know, what is kind of your awareness of the artist, as he once called himself, <laughs> um, previously and then after that known as... I would classify myself as a casual Prince fan. Um, so, you know, I know the hits very well and I know Purple Rain very well, but I've really not dug into a lot of the other albums uh, too deeply. Um, so, you know, I've been alive through, I think, most of Prince's career. Um, so he was always there as a as a public personality when I was growing up. And, you know, he was really fascinating to me. Um, but, you know, he was a part of that, you know, like growing up in the 80s, Madonna, Prince, Michael Jackson, just like one of the huge celebrities. And we had cable. So and I have two older brothers. So, the, you know, MTV was constantly on. So I would say, you know, if I was very aware of whatever was a single or or just probably how most people are aware of it but i've always really loved the songs i've i've just never been a you know a big collector i guess okay well then let's talk about the track uh, like i said earlier a bit of an unusual one yeah uh, this is the first time prince has gone instrumental and for, for the rest of his career there are off the top of my head there are about three or four of the times where he does this um it's very rare that prince doesn't sing on a song um, now this track apparently had been floating around for about two or three years just as an untitled instrumental uh, it was just something that prince would play on piano occasionally um you know he didn't he didn't strictly speaking play the song on tours before um the 1988 tour um he didn't even bother playing it on the parade tour <laughs> that's how yeah. that's how kind of little he kind of did this but you know once he started you know, moving towards live instruments and real instruments. Uh, obviously, the first part of the 80s, he'd been very much into um, synths and drum machines and, you know, as as most people in the early 80s were. But once he started moving more towards live instruments, uh, such as piano, um, you know, or, or having, you know, actual horns rather than synthesized horns, um, you know, he started to play this track a lot more. And, and you know, Prince's final tour was, was called, um, you know, a piano and a microphone. 
And that's what it was. It was Prince mm-hmm. at the piano with a microphone. You know, this is a song that he would occasionally perform. Um, but, you know, it's for me, um, it, it, the oddest thing is it doesn't really fit with the film Under the Cherry Moon. I was going to ask you, I've never seen this movie. So, I, I, I mean, I've seen Purple Rain many times, but I've never seen Under the Cherry Moon. I just knew that it is <laughs> Prince making a sort of, I knew it's like black and white, right? Isn't am yeah. I off? Okay. So I knew it's kind of yeah. like him trying to make this like old timey looking movie and that it's supposed to be not super great. <laughs> Those are my, that was what I, that was my, the extent of my knowledge of under the cherry moon yeah it's not super great and you know venus de milo the track itself obviously is a shade under two minutes and in the film it appears for about 40 seconds oh okay it very briefly appears in the film just underneath as a piece of score so you would almost think it isn't actually a track uh you know like that it's just something that 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 has been put there as score rather than as a song um because there are you know claire fisher actually did large portions of the score for the film so there's a lot of just kind of like strings that just play under scenes anyway. So just adding a bit of piano in there, you wouldn't guess that it was actually a song that's on the album. It's just very odd that Prince chose to, you know, use this. Yeah. Is it is it under... I mean, do you remember even what scene it underscores? Um, I think it's just... A, it's a brief, like, scene between Prince and Kristen Scott Thomas, and they're just talking in one of the many scenes where Prince is being a gigolo. Oh, okay. And, um, and she's resisting his charms. <laughs> and it's literally... Like, if you don't know it's there, you wouldn't even really notice it. It's so far in the background. And then, you know, it, it moves on to a different song and then that's it. It's, you know, it's it's not like it ever gets a featured scene. There are a few songs in this on this album which actually have featured scenes in the film where Prince actually sings them or where they underscore an important moment. But this is just something that kind of, you know, if you didn't know it was actually there, you, would, you know, and, and someone didn't point it out to you, you'd be like... Oh well, I guess that was just another piece of score. You know, you do, you just, it just, it isn't even used significantly. So it's strange that Prince felt that he needed to put it onto the album. Well, my first thought when I heard it was that it sounds. I actually envisioned because I knew it was a part of the movie. I thought I was sort of imagining the scene in my head, and I'm kind of glad I didn't know what it was like because in my head it was like he sees the girl from across the room, and you know, it, and so it would have not had anything. I would couldn't imagine there was talking over it because in my mind it was. It, to me, I, I actually wrote this down. And I was like, this is pretty lady music. Like this is the music that plays in a movie <laughs> when a pretty lady appears. It's just so like cliche, like. <gasps> there she is and um and so i that that was my first thought is i kind of envisioned this like very soft focus scene of like a lady maybe you know between people passing by but she stands out and i i could just env- envision this whole scene around this this silly song which is just I mean, it's so corny to me. I mean, the first time I heard it, I just thought, oh, boy. I mean, I I was sort of excited. I I told you, I was like, oh, I'll do this song because it's called Venus de Milo. And, you know, I I work in art. And so I thought, well, this will be interesting because I'll be I'm really curious to compare it to the sculpture. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, well, I guess it, it kind of doesn't have any relation other than that sort of very surfacey thing of being like, you know, Venus, oh, pretty lady, whatever. You know, like, that's how I, I read it, at least. I mean, it's worth saying that there's a there's about, the first 15 seconds are kind of like an introduction. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like a little piano, kind of very low uh, on, on the piano, just kind of like a rumbling introduction, 
until it actually hits the melody. Yeah. And then kind of the song starts going and we get the strings and, <laughs> you know, various instruments over the top of it. And it's it's kind of when Prince plays it and there's a live version that you can find currently on YouTube, though I don't know how long it will last, which is he, he plays it as part of a medley on the Love Sexy tour. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much, apart from that, that kind of 15 second intro, he plays pretty much the entire song okay. on the piano. When he toured it later on, um, through you know a portion of the 90s and then he kind of didn't tour it for 15 years and then he toured it when he was doing his piano tour at the end there he would always pretty much play the whole thing um, he you know, he never felt the need to like kind of cut it down because it's so short that mm. without the introduction you can pretty much play like for 90 seconds you've done the whole song and it's always nice to kind of see him just sitting at the piano um, you know one of the obviously you know people know about Prince and his guitar um, he actually recorded a song called Guitar which, which I will talk about uh, in a few albums, I say a few albums, about 20 albums time. <laughs> um, and and so everyone knows about Prince and his guitar, um, you know, and, and obviously when he did the Super Bowl performance, he had his guitar that was shaped like his name. Yeah. Uh, but very few people, I think, realised that he was, I would say, I, I mean, I'm not going to say a skilled pianist, but let's at least say he's he's better than competent on the piano. And, um, you know, he, he, when he performs it live, you know, it, there's no kind of, there's nothing of this song that needs to be kind of cut or anything because it's too complicated. You know, it is a very simple kind of song. What? But, you know, yeah, we, we get a little introduction before we actually get to the medley of it, which is, you know, kind of the, the main theme that most people would know if they know this song. And those first few notes are are kind of ominous, which I really liked. Actually, I was more excited. Actually, when it starts, I'm kind of excited about it. Um, it almost has this kind of dark vibe. And I, I even I wrote down it's kind of like the Labyrinth soundtrack in some part. Like the, just there's something about <laughs> this like broodiness of it that I was really into. But then it's cool jazz time baby like after that you know it's like it, it's like you get tricked for a second into like thinking you're going to something a little darker and then it's like nope it it just i don't know man it's <laughs> it's like if well uh, it's almost like um i don't know if you it, if you it's like stock music if if you were like okay what's uh I, I need like a smooth jazz song to put in here like this would be it like it's almost so un unidentifiable to me which is funny because i i could i mean I, I don't i very rarely do i bother to sing on this podcast because obviously <laughs> I, I cannot sing like prince but the the medley the 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 um the that thing that like that's like it's just one of those things that prince fans kind of like no if you know because it's just like you know that's the, this is the first instrumental and that's the kind of thing of like oh this is how prince is is communicating to us is just with this medley. Yeah. Um, so I guess as a Prince fan, it's just something that everyone, and the fact that he performed, you know, he performed it live quite a few times after this as well. And it's just one of those things where, you know, even, even when he wasn't really performing the song, sometimes occasionally if he was doing medleys, he would just throw that phrase in because obviously that's something that Prince fans kind of recognize. Um, but I can understand. I mean, the whole album has like, um, you know, a, a kind of jazz thing going on anyway simply because Prince had, um, you know, he got Eric Leeds in his band, uh, the saxophonist, and he'd actually <laughs> recorded an entire album of jazz as part of a group called Madhouse, which was kind of a side project that Eric Leeds was, was kind of leading. And so the influence of that has kind of started to seep into Prince's music on this album where, yeah, I mean, obviously... You know, it does have like a smooth jazz thing because when it comes to Prince, you know, he can hop genres very well. But 
it's rare that he he spends his time studying genres he's not 100% familiar with. So obviously he knows jazz a little bit because his father was in a jazz trio mm-hmm. for like 30 years. So he knows that world, but I don't think he knows it deeply enough to be able to do anything that you would, you know, you would see as kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. He just knows how to sound sound like someone doing jazz. I kind of and 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 I'm probably wrong because I the way you describe the movie, the way it's used in the movie, um doesn't sound like this it's given this much importance but i kind of wonder did he direct the movie too yes he did end up directing the movie they were gonna have someone else direct it and then he fired them and <laughs> not surprised <laughs> and he, was like, <clears throat> he was like i will do this myself oh yeah which is something that prince apparently you know obviously he can play so many different instruments that members of his band were occasionally on tenterhooks due to the fact that if prince didn't like what you were doing he would simply fire yeah. you and then he would record that part himself. <laughs> um, so, you know, if he didn't like what you're doing on the drums, he'd be like, okay, you're fired. I'll do the drum tracks from now on. Because I kind of thought of this track maybe as being like his attempt to show somebody like, look, I can be, I can make a f- serious film score. Like that's almost how it reads <laughs> to me was like uh, this. I, I went, I thought of it as like such like straight film score that it almost looked like he was trying to show off and say like, well, I can, I can do this. Like I can do something that doesn't sound <laughs> like me. Um, but then if it's, if it's sort of treated with such a, I don't know, throwaway um, treatment in the movie, then maybe I'm wrong about that. It's funny because the film actually opens with a five minute sequence where he is behind a piano and he's, you know playing a, he's kind of playing a song and then him and his um his co-star played by jerome benton uh who, who in the film is called tricky um and princess christopher and they kind of run this scam on this this kind of you know uh woman prince kind of charms her by defending her against tricky okay and you know he starts off behind the piano in this bar kind of like trying to spot you know, a woman to kind of run this scam on. They, <laughs> And in that case, they do kind of use a bit of score that is kind of like looking across a room and seeing a beautiful woman. But okay. it's, you know, not it's this. from the point of view of, yeah, it's but not this. No, it's from the point of view of like a gigolo trying to find, you know, a target, basically. So, so they do kind of do something similar to what you described, but it's in the context of the film, it's completely different. But yeah, this is in terms of its placement in the film, it's just, you know, throwaway. I can understand why you think it kind of is just Prince saying, look, I can do some score because, you know, that without the context of it having a name, that is what most people, I think, would probably hear this and, and say that it was does the title have any relevance at all i mean i kind of wonder i mean the, the movie's set in france the sculpture lives at the louvre i mean do they go see it at, i mean is it is there any reference at all to the the venus de milo <laughs> no it, it's just <laughs> of it's course just not. it's just the fact that prince i guess like most people has like a kind of shallow knowledge of what art is yeah and so he knows the venus de milo and that's pretty much it. That's a thing. That, yeah, that's what it came across as like, oh, this is, this is again, maybe that's why it also it re- registers as like, look how serious I am. Is because it seems like the most kind of uh, the way of like posturing to be like, oh, well, I'm going to call this thing, a, 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 name it after a famous work of art. And I, the Mona Lisa is too obvious. So we'll go with the next <laughs> most famous work of art at the Louvre. We'll go with the Venus de Milo. If you have the idea of saying that, you know, um, uh, the person that he's going after in the film, you know, Kristen Scott Thomas is beautiful and, you know, art is beautiful. And, you know, there's, there's maybe something there. But, yeah, I think for Prince, his knowledge of art 
um, you know, is probably, uh, you know, quite shallow. You know, he's he was, he's good at certain things. And I'm guessing, you know, going to a, a gallery and being able to pick out, you know, significant pieces of art probably wasn't one of them. He didn't he didn't have the time for that. You know, he was he was recording 20 songs a day. So I guess my hope for the song, like before I'd heard it, I knew the title. So I was I had this envisioning of the of like of the ideas that this song would capture, because to me, the Venus de Milo is most notable for being like broken. You know, like it's this piece of art that is famous for being um damaged and it it became really like it was discovered um in the 19th century and and in this romantic era where we i you know idolized the the ruins of rome and greece and so the fact that it's it's actually broken is is probably why it's so famous um and so i kind of like that idea of like the idea of like a song that's kind of broken and beauty and like flesh and marble. I had all these like grand ideas and then I, I heard it and I was like, Oh, it's pretty lady music. Oh, like this is so less interesting than I had hoped for. I was so like ready for this, like really cool. I don't know, almost something that kind of had a little bit of bite to it. Um, in the way I think the sculpture is, is interesting because of like, you know, the way like her arm is broken off at a perfect kind of like right angle. It makes you just sort of like, it's this really jarring thing that happens where you have these smooth curves and then there's like harsh angles. So I kind of was like thinking that would be a really cool idea musically, but I I feel like this song is all smooth curves. Like (laughs) it has no jarring angles whatsoever. (laughs) I think a little bit of that is also, um, you know, the use of the strings, the use of all the kind of extra instrumentation that the term Claire Fisher kind of provides, it, it does kind of really smooth it out because, um, I mean, I, I obviously I've heard this song hundreds of times, so I'm just kind of used to it. You're kind of hearing it with new ears. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I really kind of like what Claire Fisher does, um, you know, with the, the kind of arrangement um, and, you know, kind of the kind of the the way that it kind of embellishes on on what Prince is doing because you know the the kind of piano isn't doing a huge amount um and it just kind of basically has the kind of the ascending you know as it goes towards the kind of middle of the song you have the has Prince going higher and higher on the piano which is something that I feel like children like to do you know if they're yeah. playing something on the piano they like to try and keep going up an octave just to see how high up they can get <laughs> before it, it whatever they're playing doesn't make any sense I, I don't think Prince quite hits the highest note on the keyboard but he certainly starts to get up there but I think that the kind of strings is a nice kind of counterpoint to that because Claire Fisher obviously you know is a <laughs> he was well, let's put it like this he was born in 1928 so by the time you get to 1988 Prince is you know um, Claire Fisher is already like 60 something oh, yeah. when he's when he's doing this stuff for Prince so he's an old hand and he kind of knows what he's listening to and what to kind of put against it to kind of make it work their, their collaboration basically lasted until 2012 which is when uh, Claire Fisher died so you know this is this is kind of the start of a relationship that Prince will have for you know, most of the rest of his career, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you feel about the strings. Obviously, it does have a smooth jazz feel, but, you know, it's it's understandable because Claire Fisher kind of started out uh, doing bossa nova. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it is a it is a perfectly pleasant song. Like, I mean, so it. I have managed to get the the absolute like worst song for my tastes. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> At least seeing the crowd react to it, because this is the thing is, you know, he that medley, which, you know, there's a, quite a few songs on there, but 
he kind of does 30 seconds or something else before he starts playing this. And as soon as he starts playing it, you have 12,000 German, you know, fans <laughs> or various other other races in that in that audience. And as soon as he starts up that that first that melody, they all like start cheering and they react immediately to it because it's obviously something that they love. And so it's interesting to see, you know, like a, a crowd kind of getting very excited over what is a kind of 90 seconds of, you know, score. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the live version a lot better, actually. And I think it, it, it because it is not, it doesn't have that super produced feeling. It's not, um, just by being so, just solely piano, it, it, I think getting rid of the strings uh, makes me a lot more interested in it. And it's got just like a little touch of that improv improvisation that keeps it fun for me. Um, I yeah. mean, I mean, I'm sure in the, the original recording there's, you know, it's still some improvisation, but I think you can tell he's been playing around with this song for long enough that he's able to just have fun. And maybe it feels that way to me because I've heard the album track now too and have listened to it enough that any sort of variation on it sticks out to me and I go, Oh, Oh, that's cute. That's fun. Um, so I was, I was definitely like smiling when I heard it and I liked, you yeah. know, when he, he keeps going up the, the scales and like he gets the teeny tiny little like notes at the top and he's like <laughs> little plink. And it's so, it just made me laugh because it's sort of so, so silly it's a little it's the little self-serious i still think but yeah well i i think i think that's the thing i think you know under the cherry moon the film itself is is trying to be kind of like a light comedy yeah but you know many critics have said prince could not handle doing comedy so it ends up kind of being yeah. very kind of flat and you know sometimes in places a little too serious i mean purple rain has prince playing a kind of very serious character um, so it, you know, it kind of, it kind of fits more with his, his personality and his mystique really to be serious. Yeah. Uh, Prince himself was known for being, you know, a bit of a comedian and kind of very playful and stuff, but that was always kind of behind closed doors to the public. He right. was always very kind of serious. Um, so, you know, for me, this track, I would say I've heard it so many times. I'm going to say three out of five, but three I feel like you might be lower than that. Yeah, I'm probably I mean, I guess if if the scale is of print songs and I, I would probably give it a one out of five <laughs> <laughs> out of the print songs I know, I would say it is yeah. probably my least favorite print song I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah that's that's fair that's fair um yeah so anyway you know the song is like two minutes and i feel like we've talked for about as long as anybody has <laughs> yeah that's in, probably uh, that's in probably. the in the history of time about this song so uh aside from maybe prince instructing claire fisher you probably had more than like a two minute conversation about that but yeah i think the only person who's thought about this song more now is prince <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, then let's go to plugs. Then, do you have anything you wish to plug, Russell? Sure. Um, my podcast is called Art Palace. Um, it's produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum, and uh, we basically talk about art. So it's kind of like you're talking about prints. Um, I have a different guest on, uh, and we look at a different piece in our museum's collection, and kind of talk about it in, a, in a, a really similar way where we, we break it down and I'm kind of always interested in getting other opinions on art. So I've had like an, an astrom astro ah, an astronomer or um, I just had somebody who is, you know, works for a 
conservatory for like plants. Uh, so we're kind of a botanist. We're looking at plants in the collection. So yeah, um, it's, it's, it's trying to get other people's opinions on art, uh, that are not sort of the institutional voice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and are you on any social media that people can follow you on? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's, uh, at Russell Eyrig or at Instagram saying everything is at Russell Eyrig. I don't think there's any other (laughs) Russell Eyrigs in the world. (laughs) And if I think I found one who was like an old, like, a military guy in San Diego, California once. He was like the only other Russell Eyrig in the world and he was like already in his 60s. So I don't think he has a, a huge social media presence. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. kind of it. And, you know, especially the last name is pretty weird. So um, yeah, Instagram or Twitter um, and our podcast, we have a uh, Facebook page, which is just art palace so it's pretty easy to find so yep and you can find us on facebook at prince track by track or you can follow us on twitter at prince podcast or you could email us not sure why you would at prince track by track at gmail.com thanks very much for being my guest today russell sure thanks for having me and otherwise goodbye bye the life was never ending but all good things they say never last Love, it isn't love until it's past.